come prepared with your Bibles. It'll be on the screen as well, but Colossians 2, 1 to 8. Thanks, David. Uh, Yes, Colossians 2, 1 to 8. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Well, good morning. We come today to continue in our Kingdom Strategy series, uh, but particularly looking this morning at Colossians 2, 1 to 8, and having a Kingdom Strategy. And as we come this morning, I wanted to start by talking about cruise control. I think lots of us would have cars, and we would have cruise control on our cars. And uh, it's uh, nice when you're on the highway, you hit the cruise control button, and you set it, and you start coasting along. You start uh, going along... So tell me, what's the purpose of uh, cruise control? Yep, absolutely. Fuel economy, yep. (laughs) Well, it's all about speed control. A flow on is fines. We don't want to get those nasty fines. So that's very true. Yes, that's right. But you could almost argue that you get a bit too relaxed behind the wheel when you've got cruise control on. <laughs> yes, that's right. So, yes, you can, you can move your legs around a bit and uh, potentially go a bit further. That's right. Would you say that you're really working your engine really hard when you've got cruise control on? No, it's, it's like a, just a, a cruising along, a going along, that consistent speed. And so we sort of got there that we sort of relax a bit when we get cruise control on. We can, we can relax a bit from some of the, the duty of driving. And I wonder if that is sometimes how we view our relationship with God. We just put cruise control on. I'm just going to keep cruising along with the Lord. I'm going to keep this notion of just going slowly in a certain direction with little urgency for what really matters in life, the things of God. Whether we really start to value that sort of comfort and that that sort of consistent way. It's very easy to get into cruise control in our Christian journey. But I want to present a different picture this morning and that is one 
of working hard for Jesus, working hard for his honour, putting our whole heart into his cause. And for those who were with us a number of weeks ago, we were talking about some of the background for this letter. And here we see Paul is in chains in prison. And yet in that situation, he's not overcome by the circumstances. He's not overcome by the situation that he's got guards around him and he's in house arrest. Instead, he is toiling, he is working hard. He is putting his whole effort into encouraging people. He's trying to encourage people he's never even met. He even wants to embrace the sufferings of the Lord so that others will be built up. The whole picture of Paul in this letter is a labor of love, a labor of him wanting the things of Christ to flourish. And so we see that in the first verse. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. What do we see here, a picture of what Paul is doing? He's contending. That means to to compete to win. He's got this heart that I want to see Jesus known. I'm going to put this huge effort in. Notice that he's saying, for not only for you, but also this town, this group of people called Laodicea, that also get a special mention in the book of Revelation. But he's also talking about Christians he's never met or people who claim to be Christ followers. And he's saying, I'm going to put my hard work into even these people. I'm going to do this labor of love and put my whole heart into a great course because I know that it matters. And he continues to say what his goal is in this encouragement. My my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of of complete understanding. What a heart. He wants to see Christians encouraged in what matters in the ways of Jesus. He wants them to understand the love of Jesus because as they understand that love, they will be united together and he wants them to have the full riches of understanding and that full riches is to understand that Jesus is all that we need, to understand that Jesus is the answer to our heart's desires. And he goes on to say that. It is in order that we may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What a reminder that every single thing that we need in life, the solution to to life's questions, the solution to the desires of our hearts are to be found in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. In Him we find the treasures of God that give us wisdom and understanding, that give us knowledge. This is what Jesus is about. And that is what our heart's desire should be on. And hoping that others will be encouraged to know this. And so we see that Paul is striving and putting this hard work into this course. And we know about hard work, I know. Each of us here, we have worked hard. There are times when we we physically work really hard and we start sweating. We start sweating and we we rest after we've worked really hard. When we've really put our our body into that physical exercise, it gets to the point where, where we're exhausted and we need to rest. 
But there's also this sense, I'm sure anyone that's done a lot of physical exercise, how do you feel after you've exercised and you've rest? Good. We feel good, don't we? We do, because there's something inside us that knows that was actually a good thing, to work my muscles and to work who I am. And I think deep down we get that same sense of joy and satisfaction when we encourage other Christians, when we spur people on, when we know we're doing the will of God, when we've worked hard for a cause for His sake, we stop and we rest after that work and we reflect and go, oh, that was good. I'm so thankful that that person has grown or, or that person has, has started to understand the things of Jesus. We get it. We get deep down that working hard for the Lord is very beneficial and something that we should do. Something that's of far greater um, benefit than exercise. Because the picture that I want to encourage us to have is to have a zeal for Jesus. Imagine someone saying of that of your life. Oh, that person, they have a zeal for Jesus. They just care about Him. Maybe we need to be reminded what zeal means. To have a fervor to have a tireless devotion for Jesus and his cause, to have a determination in its furtherness, to, be, to have a diligent enthusiasm and to have a powerful interest. These are words of enthusiasm and action and caring about the things of Jesus. And what a picture to have. We see that in Paul. We see that in other Christians around us. And what a, a picture to strive towards that we will have a zeal for Jesus. Because the hope is that we will indeed work hard for His honour. Not to be comfortable. I don't want us to put the cruise control on in our faith because cruise control to me suggests that we're taking it a bit too easy. We're not just doing the, the same old routines. We're not doing the same old tasks. That we're trying to press into something new and something that's challenging us that we actually deeply start caring about other Christians that we've met or Christians that we've even heard reports about that are a long way away. This very last uh, week, I've, uh, or last weeks, I've had it on my heart to pray for China. And this week I got moved to say, well, you know what, I'm going to put my money where my heart is and I put some money towards buying Bibles in China. And I'd encourage you to do that as well. There is a great need in China, if you did not know, there are millions of Christians crying out for a Bible and the problem is getting them printed and getting them distributed to them. People who want and are seeking the things of God and yet they don't have access to God's Word. The Bible Society is in China and they're giving out Bibles and they're a very reliable organisation. So I would love to talk to you further about doing that, if you would like to. I don't know the people in China. I've got no idea how they're doing, but I know they need the Bible and I want to see them flourishing. And so I think it's worth putting effort into that, that they will be encouraged and built up in Christ. Maybe I'll get an opportunity to write to one of them one day and to say, may you flourish in the ways of Jesus. But I want to challenge us to, to take on that challenge today of encouraging people we know could do with an encouragement. We do have a visitor with us, Craig, and I'm only going to mention him because his life, and you should talk to him about this story afterwards, was touched because he got an encouraging message. He got an encouraging message when he was down the dumps and someone said to him, I want to encourage you, 
I'm keep going through faith, even through struggles. And Craig was so encouraged by that words. Talk to him about it afterwards. A powerful story about life changed through encouragement. Encouraging Christians is a wonderful thing and something that we should never give up on to see people flourishing. And I want to continue by challenging us not to be fooled by fine-sounding arguments. There are all sorts of arguments out there which are telling us just to loosen our grips on Jesus at the moment. All sorts of arguments to, to stop putting Jesus in his rightful spot. All sorts of arguments. And, and it's so clear in our, our passage today. In verse 4 it says this, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. There are all sorts of arguments out there in the media, in our society, to say, look, don't worry about Jesus. It doesn't really matter that much. There's the classic angry atheists out there, Dawkins and the like. They just continue to pound down Jesus and and pound down the things of God. But they're angry. They don't have peace. They keep fighting for for there to be a a lessening of, of, of people's understanding of the things of Jesus. There's a strong argument that goes out, and it's a a cultural one. And it says, love yourself. You need to love yourself. You need to make yourself number one. It's all through our culture. What's another fine argument that you think is out there to, to pull us away from Christ? What would you say is a current argument in our society? That's right. Even if, it, if you have to put it on high interest, just get it. And uh, get it now. Yep. Abs- Nationalism. Yep. Hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Your country matters more than God. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm entitled to this. And the government should fix all my problems. (laughs) It's a reality that we live in this society. There's all these fine arguments to say, well, don't, don't take Jesus too seriously. Just get involved in this other stuff. It's in our society. We're all facing it. There's so many avenues in life. And it was also seen in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. There's a, a philosophy argument. And philosophy is, is when we look at human reason. We, we, we base our ideas based on our existence and what we can observe in this world and, and, and about human knowledge. And we use that as, as what we call philosophy. And there's been some very famous um, people who, who do philosophy over the years. And they put cases forward for how we should have morals and the like. But the reality is, is that we don't want to, to look at that at the cost of Christ. If we look at philosophy and think that philosophy's got the answer, we're fooling ourselves. And that was so big at that day back then. It's so true, it can be true today, that we listen to the arguments of this world and we think that they have the answers rather than Jesus Christ. And as we mentioned, 
There is this pull in our world just to get sucked into pleasure. Oh, just go for it. If it tastes good, if it feels good, if it sounds good, if it smells good, if it looks good, then just indulge. It doesn't matter the cost. Just do it. Enjoy yourself. You've worked hard. You should rest now and just indulge. Rather than going for what we know is healthy and good, we go for all the other options that are out there to indulge ourselves. That is a lie. That is a lie that we should we should avoid. So may we not be fooled by fine-sounding arguments. And you might say, who, me? Yes, you. Don't give in to fine-sounding arguments. They're out in our world, and that's part of a slippery slope that we start letting these arguments get a grip on us. Oh, if I just have Jesus and this stuff, I'll be fine. Or, oh, this stuff's actually quite enjoyable. I'm going to start doing that and stop focusing on Jesus. And it is a slippery, slippery slope. Because Jesus Christ is all that we need. And we need to remain firm in our faith. We need to remain firm on Him. And maybe you're visiting today and you don't normally attend church. I want to affirm that Jesus is the answer to our heart's desire. I want to affirm that Jesus is the one that will give us the greatest satisfaction in life. I know that I have found that truth And I hope that you will find that truth, that you are able to make the best possible decision in life, to find God by trusting in Jesus, to make him your Lord. And that what this passage is just jumping out from the Bible, that we choose to make Jesus as our Lord and we keep living in that, that we keep going in that. Because as it says in verse 6, firstly, we receive Jesus Christ as Lord. And I know many people here identified with that. They've said, yes, I receive you, Jesus. We've made a choice to say, I want you and your ways in my life. And then the next step, the lifelong step, is that we continue to live our lives in him. We continue in Jesus Christ. And so there's imagery that's used. And the first one is that we are rooted in him. And I've got a prop here to show the whole concept here. Now, I've got this plant that Simone's kindly brought in. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull it out of this pot and make a big mess here. Yeah, we've got a vacuum. Because what happens if we take this plant out of this soil here? It makes a big mess, doesn't it? It is a bit messy. Ah, oh, well. It's more effective like this. And the singers will love it later. They'll feel very earthy. Okay, here we go. Most of the soil, I could keep going and make a bigger mess if I like. Here's the pot. Okay, look, how's this plant looking now? You think it looks good? It's starting to take the soil away. What are we taking away as we take the soil away? It's foundation, you think? Like, we've got a professional here, Jeff. What am I taking away? Everything that supports it. So this plant, if we take the soil away, it's going to get pretty sick pretty quick, isn't it? How many hours or how many days do you think this plant would survive like this? A couple of days. A couple of days. Wow. Imagine if we took Jesus out of our life and all of a sudden 
all we're left in is roots rooted in worldly things. I think our faith's going to dry up pretty quick, isn't it? If we just, rather than being rooted in Jesus, as it says, what we might we root this, our lives in? We might choose worldly things, of course, success, money, the pleasures that we were just talking about. Yeah, the, our children, exactly. And when we are rooted in these things, we don't grow in the ways of Jesus. We start dying to the ways of Jesus and we just grow in those things. There are so many things that we could be uprooted and put into. But the argument is clear. What are we supposed to be rooted in? In Jesus. That's what's supposed to be in this pot. It should be a big sign across the front here. J-E-S-U-S. Jesus. I'm rooted in him. That's what I want my life to be rooted in. It's him and his solid foundation and his truth. Because I want to grow in the things of God. Because when we are rooted in him, when we are focused on him, and, and look, let's be honest, to be rooted in Jesus, it takes hard work. Because it means that we need to keep our focus on him. That means that we need to keep our hearts set on him, doing the things that we know are helpful in Jesus, such as opening up our Bible and really digging into it deeply such as, as singing our praises to him and, and continuing to meet with other Christians. It all takes effort. But when we're rooted in him, when, we, when we're getting that truth in our lives, the hope is that we will not only remain, but that we'll keep growing. That this plant can, can flourish into the most beautiful thing. And the conditions for growth are never easy. I think the, the, the farmers here would tell us that conditions need to be pretty good for plants or crops to grow. Is that true? Would you say that conditions need to be at least reasonably well for there to be a flourishing plant? What would you say? Yes, I would agree. Well, if we want to be rooted and growing in Jesus, that means the conditions need to be pretty good in our lives and that we need to make a lot of choices to say, I'm going to choose Jesus in this moment. I want to be rooted in him. I want to be growing in him. I want to keep going in him. And that's what this passage is saying is exactly what we need to be rooted in him and growing in him not on cruise control but finding that growth in him so that we may be strengthened in our faith that's been passed on to us through other christians and let us never forget that we are overflowing with thankfulness we are so thankful for what jesus has done and so we want to keep digging deeper and keep growing in him because we want to be thankful for the cross and thank you for all that he's done the hope that he's given us. A life of thanks is powerful. Have you met someone that is just so thankful? It's contagious. Someone who is just, oh, I'm just really thankful today because the Lord is good and he's done good things for me and I'm going to talk about what he's done. That type of person is, is engaging and it's encouraging in the Christian walk just to meet someone like that. They love the Lord. May it be true that we are thankful people growing in him. So, the title and the challenge for us today is to keep living with Jesus as our Lord. For us to have a focus and a determination to get our roots into Him and to get our whole hearts onto Him and seeking to grow. For in Jesus is the greatest treasure, the greatest wisdom, the greatest everything we could possibly need. It has been given to us and may we rejoice in it. Let us pray.
Lord Jesus, we thank you from our hearts to say thank you for the cross and thank you for the truth that's come to us, that, that we can know you and have that, that peace in our hearts to know that you are God and that you love us and that you have a hope for our future. Lord Jesus, as we come to you this morning, we pray that you will help us to, to not lose our focus or our heart's desire to be in you, to have our roots deep in you and to have our hearts close to you, to keep growing in your good ways. For Lord, we know that your ways are the best ways. We ask that you will bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.